Ted, you're a blogger? Right, right. Uh, BikingInLA.com. And uh, you have a great reputation, a following. I made up most of that reputation myself, so don't believe it. And uh, Brian Hans of Bike Index. Can you tell us about your, your company? It's strange to hear referred to as a company. <laughs> I was we wondering. It's a nonprofit that does uh, bike registration and stolen bike recovery. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge bike theft, uh, anti-bike theft nerd. Okay. And uh, join forces with a bunch of other people across the country who are also interested in combating bike theft. You know, I wasn't that really... what the bike index does. I wasn't really clear on uh, whether it was a for-profit company, but thanks for clearing that up. No, we're, that was one of our big steps in uh, 2017, was actually uh, getting nonprofit status through a 501c3. And uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly how we operate. That's, it definitely drives with our, our mission statement and... Uh, it, it, it was a real, it was a really good thing to get that done, get that under the belt. Uh, the reason I got in touch with you is because I got this email from a listener after I interviewed Carlos Morales of Stan's Bikes here in L.A. Uh, Ted, you must know Carlos Morales of Eastside Bike yeah, Club. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, and so he was, uh, you know, bemoaning the fact that if you get your bike stolen in one place, the police department from another place can't look <coughs> for it because there's no, the police don't use a, the same system. Right. Yeah. And so there somebody. Is, there really, there really is no centralized registry. It's it's uh, the, the It's very balkanized, uh, and that's specifically one of the problems that we were trying to fix. Um, you know, there's um, a lot of municipal and city technology is is, is dated, is old, and it's not really their fault. It's just the their life cycle moves much slower. Huh. Um, but I mean, it's. 2018, there should be no reason that somebody steals your bike in one city and takes it 10 miles away that the other city shouldn't be able to pick up on it, right? I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, and but we don't have that. Oh, we do. No, um, <laughs> oh, you, we do. Is, That's why we're talking to you. There is a California registry that the police are supposed to use. When they're notified about a stolen bike, they're supposed to enter it in the statewide registry, and anybody in the state should be able to look there and find it. But that only works if, A, people report the theft to the police, which uh, they estimate like one in ten bike thefts actually gets reported to the police. And then the police have, it has to be a department actually is active in participating in this and enters it into the system hmm. and then it has to be found someplace where they actually check the system hmm. which if, since it's all voluntary there's no guarantee that any of that's going to happen uh... fortunately i do know that the police detectives in west l.a. at least check bike index they'll look at that whenever they find a bike that they don't know they haven't received a report that it's stolen and they want to find out about it they'll check bike index first to see if it's been stolen which is awesome and that makes me really happy uh <laughs> we i've looked at this for a long long time and and there are so many hurdles that you know a lot of people think oh hey i got robbed you know i did my paperwork i filled out all this you know i have my cereal i have this great description i gave all that information to the police you know surely if this thing pops up you know, surely if they stop a guy with this bike, or surely if this thing ends up in the warehouse, or any any number of these scenarios, uh, because I did that, they're they're going to find it. They're going to recognize it. And the truth is often, you know, no. That's that's wildly 
that's wildly wrong. It doesn't actually happen. <clears throat> and there are many, many reasons why that doesn't happen, ranging from, you know, manpower to, you know, like we said, systems that don't talk to each other or, um, you know, just people, there's, if you file online, the online report doesn't get into the right system where the guys in the cart can see it or, you know, it's in system A. It's not, I could, and this list goes on and on and on. I could basically talk about this for the next hour. Um, and the, the there's no matter, guarantee. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, there's no guarantee no, either that the uh, that the police will be the ones that find it. Uh, you know, if the Correct, bike yeah. comes into a pawn shop or a bike shop, um, they don't have this access to the police registry to check it. So unless it's registered with an independent service like Bike Index, they don't have any way to check it. But if it's been registered as stolen. Hopefully, most bike shops will check it, and pawn shops will check and see if they can find a bike online, anything about it, before they take it in. So that gives you another option that's not available otherwise. But they, true. They're doing it in West L.A., so I guess you're better off if your bike's stolen there. And, <laughs> yeah. and or at least recovered there. Yeah. Recovered there. I mean, and that's what's funny is, like, that's, this is why we... we uh, Big entities like governments and and um, you know law enforcement they they move real slow they and they often have their hands tied by uh, you know a lot of factors that are that are really kind of outside of their purview. Whereas you know community people, bike people, all those people that Ted just listed, ranging from shops to riders, you know we we have so much energy and freedom and ability um, to to move quickly and, and do you know use new technology and alert each other and use all these great tools that are out there like. Facebook and Twitter and, you know, all these databases, and it, and it just, there's, you can do so much more with so fewer people and such less effort, um, and that's really what Bike Index is trying to do. You know, I, I, I talked to people when I first started some of this work that, you know, they were, they were legit shops, and there'd be a bike that walked into the shop, and they'd have to make six different phone calls to different agencies and departments, and, bike, and it's just, it's insane. Nobody's going to do it. To check on one bike, you know, the amount of time was just crazy. So... One of the things we were really trying to do was, was to, you know, centralize that information. And, and you know, <clears throat> one of the things we see all the time is, like, a lot of the people who, uh, you know, say your garage gets broken into, your business gets broken into, you know, the first thing people do is they go and they post to Facebook, uh, which is great. And Facebook has a great reach, but it's not really the greatest reach for, you know, and the, the post may not be private or it may not be posting to, you know, the, it maybe goes to their 20 friends, but it doesn't get to the other, you know, thousands of cyclists in that community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with services like Nextdoor. They're, they're great, and, and they're great for, um, you know, very hyper-local um, um, getting the word out. But a lot of the time, you know, my Nextdoor, for example, I can't see the Nextdoor community that's three blocks over from me because of the way that Nextdoor uh, partitions its users. So there are all these systems out there that that are you know they're they're doing a good job, but they're they 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 sort of fall short in that they tend to limit the number and scope of people that can can see um, uh, pertinent information about a you know a highly usually these bikes are so wildly uh, custom and visible that you know anybody who knows bikes is going to look at it and recognize it in two seconds. Um, so we we really engage you know really super 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 open systems you know Twitter and Instagram uh, those things where there really is you know no barrier to to entry um, and no sort of uh, limiting in scope of who can see these things when we put them out there. You put them out on these other social media sites. <laughs> we do, yeah. Uh, if a bike you know we we uh, if a bike is stolen like I'm in Portland, Oregon right now, 
and we have a Portland, Oregon feed. Uh, so the Portland, Oregon um, bike index Twitter, for example, has a, has a couple thousand people on it. So it's a real easy place to, you know, uh, a lot of the writers here subscribe to it. It's easy for people to throw these widgets up on the website. It's the same thing with San Francisco. If the bike gets stolen in San Francisco, when, when that victim is logging into Bike Index and, and logging their bike and saying, hey, you know, I just got stolen. It, here's all the details. Here's the serial number. They click the button, go. It's instantly tweeted out. Not only is it tweeted out, but it's in our, you know, web database. So anyone who's searching on the web can can look for it and match it. But it also goes to um, some of our law enforcement partners, and uh, we have uh, partners in the pawn search industry, which is a really weird niche discussion. But long story short, there's some really big data people who run the systems that, um, like people like pawn shops or sports resale shops, um, are required by law to use when, when bikes come into their shops. So the minute that person has clicked that button on the bike index, all that bike's information, you know, is is shot out across the internet to to varying outlets, you know, be it Twitter, be it our own website, be it a third party partner like these pawn people. Um, that's that's what we do. Another good point with that is that it's a nationwide database. We've got bike index set up on my website, so people can just go there to my site to report that their bike has been stolen. Uh, when that happens, a tweet automatically goes out for any bike that was stolen within a 25-mile radius of Hollywood, where I am. So we're, we're notifying everybody that follows me. That's like 5,000 people. Uh, and then you've got pass-alongs where it will be forwarded to different people. So you're starting to get the word out there. But what I really like is that uh, it's a nationwide database, so if somebody takes your bike and then goes to, say, Utah to try and sell it on Craigslist, somebody can look it up and find it in Los Angeles, uh, and that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, funny is we get, um, this is how we get a lot of recoveries from, from eBay and sort of eBay-like knockoffs. That there's, you know, there's a lot of dealers who are, are buying bikes and they you know we i think the longest we've ever tracked one went for i want to say way back in the early days and i went from washington state to somewhere on the east coast and it actually wound to a serial thief in the in the seattle area because this guy said hey you know i just bought this bike on ebay uh the guy obviously lied about the serial number because i pulled the thing out of the box and the serial number is different so my alarm bells went off you know, I, I check out the number, boom, first thing I see is this listing, it's obviously stolen, you know, what do I do? That happens all the time, um, more more so than you would think. Um, a lot of these bikes end up, you know, trickling out into, they go from the black market to the gray market to, you know, uh, just the regular online markets, places like Pinkbike or places like Craigslist or eBay or, you know, take, take your pick. Um, so even five or six or seven owners down the chain you know, as long as one of those people is honest enough to, to check out the serial number, we're going to be the first place they find it. So we got a caller. This is Carlos Morales with uh, Stan's Bike Shop and the Eastside Bike Club. How are you guys doing? Hey, today? Carlos. Awesome. Hey, Carlos. Yeah, we're just talking about you. I'm not, I wasn't near a computer. I'm actually driving. But I said, you know what, let me dial that number and see if I could hear it. So I heard part, part of the podcast, but not everything. But I hope you're using your hands free. Podcast. Are you holding your cell phone up to your ear? Because you could... <laughs> uh, you're on, like, uh, the car speakerphone. Okay. And the uh, Bluetooth, so we're good. Okay. You you were talking about the problems with not having a shared registry. 
with the police. And I don't know if you knew about Bike Index. Have you heard of the Bike Index, Carlos? No, I have not. And when I heard that that was the discussion today, I was pretty excited. Yeah, I can give you the 10,000-foot view. Uh, and uh, we, we were talking about the looks a little bit earlier. So we're uh, we're nonprofit. <clears throat> we're a bunch of bike and tech nerds. Um, I personally have been chasing bikes for about 10 years. Um, some of the other people that work with Bindex, Bindex Discs also have super long histories. So what we do is we work with uh, people like bike shops and cycling organizations and individual riders and uh, educational institutions and law enforcement and just literally anybody that comes into contact with a bunch of bikes, all the way down to individual riders. And what we Great. do is we offer free registration. Uh, we offer a bunch of free online tools for like searching, <clears throat> so you can you can log in and say, "Hey, wow, I saw this thing on Craigslist. Damn, that was a sketchy ad. I know it's stolen. You know, how do I find the owner on this bike?" So you put in all the details, and you can match it based on like color, on model, on brand, on serial, and along those things. But we also do a bunch of other. Um, we have a bunch of other partnerships with people like law enforcement and people that run like pawn search networks. So basically we, we become this huge clearing house for bike information, bike ownership data and stolen bike information. Um, and what's hilarious is that we've, we've actually, we have enough bikes in the system now. Um, we do a lot of public events, at, uh, things like here, I'm in Portland, Oregon, and there's an event up here called like Sunday Parkways. Or we can get several thousand people coming to these these ridership events, and we'll we'll do uh, registrations in conjunction with a lot of the the cops here. And we're we've gotten so prevalent that we will find bikes before the owners even know they are stolen. We have cops who have you know stopped a guy at like three o'clock in the morning, and he's obviously in the middle of committing a crime, and he's riding this you know incredibly high expensive. Uh, carbon fiber bike that they know is not his. Their own systems obviously won't have any information about this bike because their own systems only deal with stolen goods. So they'll yeah. look up this bike owners in the bike index, call the owner and say, hey, I'm standing here with your bike. And the guy will say, no, no, that bike's, you know, <clears throat> I'm at home, that bike's in my basement. And then and the officer will say, no, really, I need you to go check. And, of course, you know, 10 seconds later, the guy says, oh, no, I've been robbed. And the, and the officer's like, yes, that's literally what I'm telling you. <laughs> like, I'm standing here with the guy who robbed you. We have your bike. And, so, and that, to me, I mean, once we crossed that threshold, that was a real eye-opener, that this system that's sort of cobbled together by a bunch of bike nerds and computer nerds is able to identify these stolen bikes, even before the people who own them know that they've been stolen. That's pretty amazing. That's great. <laughs> And, Carlos, um, another benefit for you is that you know, since you own a bike shop, this helps out that registration is free and it's transferable. So you can register every bike that comes into your shop when it comes in so that if there's a break-in or somebody runs out the door with a bicycle, you've got all that information on file, and all you got to do is click a button to report that it's been stolen. And then when somebody yeah. buys a bicycle, all you got to do is transfer that uh, ownership over to them. Uh, and you're totally covered from start to finish. It was that pretty shocking pretty, to me how, many, how cool. many shops found. Yeah, how, it's really depressing to me how many shops find out about bike index when you have people that come in and do fake test rides and then, you know, present a, a fake ID or, or stolen ID and then ride off with the bike. That is, a, mm -hmm. that is a sadly a common, a common occurrence. 
um, wow. with, with the yeah, bike transaction. There was I, one not too long ago a, here. Somebody broke into a bike shop and stole a dozen bikes. And yes. Saturday morning, it was uh, on my Twitter feed, it was just one after another after another of uh, all these bikes coming in as stolen. Uh, so, from yeah, I mean, it's a problem for right? bike shops. It, unfortunately, whether it's break-ins or whether it's the other thing, uh, it happens all the time. The first thing I do every morning is, is log into the bike index and sort of look at the, you know, the, the crop that's come in, and um, I can see everything. I can see the ones, you know, just people that are that are registering regular old bikes that haven't been stolen. But of course, I can see the ones that have been stolen, and that is a pretty damn depressing way to start your day. I'll say I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, because wow. you will, you will see, and that, I mean, another reason I do it is if there's something that's incredibly standout, like, you know, one of the like Ted, you know shop robberies are, are a great example or um you know extremely high value uh bikes or you know bikes the bikes that i personally am familiar with or have known the owners for it i can often see them and say oh man you know you know what group would would love to hear about this like portland portland has a huge cargo bike community for example and their their facebook group is incredibly large and they're all they literally all know each other there's, there's nobody that rides a cargo bike in this town that doesn't, you know, isn't aware of the other people that own a cargo bike in this town. So every time a cargo bike theft in this area will come in, I, I, you know, the first thing I know is, oh, hey, not only do I, you know, take care to see this thing get registered in the bike index, but here's this other group I can go off and talk to and say, hey, y'all need to be on the lookout for this particular, um, this particular bicycle. You know, here's the stats, here's the Here's the link. Here's everything you need to know about it. Uh, go find it. Wow, cool. I think uh, this might be a, a great resource. A lot of us have networks where a lot of the bike shop owners are talking to each other. Uh, a lot of the bike clubs were talking to each other. And it's been a big, big problem where there hasn't been a centralized database where we could do it, even between... I'm not sure if you guys already talked about this, but even between law enforcement agencies in a, not in greater Los Angeles, but in a, a smaller community in the San Gabriel Valley. Yeah, we started talking Monrovia, about this. I would I would call the Monrovia station. I would call the Temple City Sheriff's. I would call three agencies to see if it was in there. But they would yeah. all tell me, you know, you know, because I, I was calling the Monrovia station often, and he goes, hey, Carlos, we love what you're doing, but we can't, we don't have the resources to answer your call and look for this all the time. I'm sorry. He goes, I know you're doing the right thing, but, I mean, even if you were to call me right now and we check, um, it doesn't mean that it's not stolen because a lot of people don't have that important data like a serial number and a lot of the details on their bike, they don't, they don't know it. They don't have it. They, don't, they never put it together anywhere. So, yes, that bike could be stolen, but nobody reported it stolen, so we will never know that it's stolen. And on and on That's and on. That's funny because you, you, you are literally hitting everything we just talked about. Like, every single point okay. you made there is exactly. Yeah, no, okay. it's, it's great because it, it you, I mean, it really, you pretty much dialed into exactly what the problem is here. And, I mean, it's yeah. great to hear that, I mean, people like you that are hyper vigilant and you're like, man, I got to go check on this. I mean, the amount of time that you were, were spending is probably crazy, right? I mean, you can't do that with every single bike that comes in. Now, I just moved my shop, and it's actually a year ago this weekend. 
that I moved my shop from Monrovia to Azusa, and literally I am 200 feet from the what's called the Metro Gold Line station, and you cannot believe the number uh, on a on honestly on a weekly basis how many people come in almost crying and some are crying that their bike got stolen off the racks from the train or from the by target market it's incredible i even have photographs that i have to dig up at the police station around the block from my shop and they have a pole where people lock up their bikes i have two different photographs of bikes that have been stripped right in front of the police station locking (laughs) one of their poles Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm, my yeah. life is crazy. So, Literally nowhere is safe. I mean, I with the the stories that we get are are complete. Like the the fact that it's in front of a police station doesn't surprise me. We've had them stolen in front of um, San Francisco City Hall while the owner was inside for a wedding. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> there was a one of the things that we do a lot. I do a lot. Of, one of the things I look out for when these these bikes come in, I, we we ask people explicitly, like, do you have security? For, like, do you have camera footage of this um, of this robbery? Because one of the things, you know, most people like if you live in an apartment complex and the apartment complex has cameras, and somebody breaks in and takes your bike, like that footage exists and it goes to the cops. And, and quite honestly, like they can't always do anything with it, and it just goes into a black hole that nobody can see. Um, whereas Correct. people like me. Like, get it on YouTube, man. I mean, we have, you know, there's a thousand people in this town that are going to be looking out for a, a thief with this backpack and these type of shoes and this bike, and, and, and it totally works. You'd be surprised how many people will, will recognize a thief in that footage. So one of the one of the crazier uh, robberies that we had that was in the San Francisco area was this, this guy registered a, a pretty high-value bike that was taken from a... Um, it was an employee, it was inside of a building, it was an employee parking area. And he said, hey, you know, there's extensive surveillance footage of this of this robbery. And I emailed him and I said, hey, um, I would love to see that footage. You know, can you, can you send me a copy? And he said, yeah. So the funny thing is, is we manufacture security cameras. We, like, our, our business is making high-end surveillance systems you know you would recognize the name if i said it but so the only place that we have on our campus to test out all of our cameras is our our employee bicycle locker room so there were no less than like 37 cameras in this room when this guy walked in the door and started stealing bikes so i i have literally hours of footage of this guy from you know 37 different angles like would would you like the best ones can i send those your way all all these bikes are being stolen from the gold line that's got to be a high traffic area a lot of foot traffic how are these thieves stealing the bikes they're actually just cutting off cutting off the locks the majority of people except for one person one person actually left his bike on a pillar went inside to go get a soda pay the cashier and there's and actually we we got the video footage where another guy it took no more than 15 seconds where he left his bike there went inside the store and there was a pedest- another pedestrian walking toward the bike see picked it up and rode off with it 15 seconds from him him letting it go to it getting stolen but the majority of them do have them locked up with u locks chains it doesn't matter these bike thieves they're carrying high-powered, battery-operated little saws, and they just go <laughs> yeah. through it like butter. Yeah. Right. One of the really depressing videos that came out of, of San Francisco um, 
was footage, uh, you know, super clear footage of a guy with a battery-powered angle grinder. Like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, busy sidewalk, just walks right up to a bike and spends a good 90 seconds plus, you know, sawing through this thing. And there's sparks flying everywhere. And obviously it was, you know, like not a single person looks at this guy or bats an eye. Not a single, yeah. you know, there, at, towards the end, there was one person you could see had kind of, like, made him and saw what he was doing. But, but the number of people who just sort of blithely walk by and, and don't even think twice about a guy with a high-powered, you know, angle grinder grinding through a U-lock at 2 o'clock in the afternoon is crazy depressing. It is. Yes, it is. One of the other things that I've noticed, and it really bothers me, and, and I want to change the culture of, of, of the cyclists now, is every week people come in, and those are the ones that come into the shop because I'm so close. Others, they probably go walk the other way or go home, and they don't even bother coming in the shop. The ones that I'm talking about is the ones that physically walk in and they tell me, hey, my bike got stolen or this got stolen, whatever. The depressing thing about it and what really gets me is the first thing that I ask the victim, the cyclist, is are you going to make a report? Did you make a report? And 98% of the people say no. And I ask them why not, and they says, what's the use? I'm not going to get my bike back. It's not going to happen, and, and I just don't have time. And then after I talk to them and I says, you know what? This past month, you might be number 20 that, that come into the store in, in a month's time and says, my bike is stolen. And after I says, how about if the 20 people before you made a report, guess what? Now the police metro sheriffs whatever they are aware that there's a big bike theft problem here so that they might be paying more attention to it but there's no way for them to sometimes justify putting the man hours of, of guarding a bike locker situation if they don't even know that the bikes are being stolen and yeah, you just nailed it on the head yeah i've talked to lapd detectives that have said that they look for theft patterns. They don't have time to investigate every bike theft. So they look for patterns. You know, are a lot of bikes being stolen from one location? Are a lot of bikes being stolen at a certain time of day? And when they just detect those patterns, then they'll go out and investigate those cases and try to catch whoever's doing it. But unless the thefts have been reported, they don't know about those patterns. You know, if somebody's stealing uh, 20 bikes from in front of the Gold Line station and nobody's reported any of those bikes, police are completely unaware of it and they're not going to investigate it. And the right, other thing yeah. that happens is that police tell me all the time that the biggest problem they have is that they'll stop someone and they will know a bike is stolen. Like, they'll find a homeless person riding a $10,000 bicycle. They absolutely know that bike is stolen. But they'll check the database, and there's no report on it. They can't take the bike away. They can't make an arrest. And there's no way to uh, contact the owner to tell them that, hey, we found your bike. And they recover thousands of bikes every month that they can't do anything with. They end up giving them to charity because... There's no stolen bike report on it. They can't give it back to anybody. Right. You guys are hitting like every every single thing that you guys have said is, is hitting like everything on the every nail on the head on every single one of these points for the last. Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of amazing. It's, it's like everybody everybody sees the big picture. 
everybody knows all the problems. Everybody sort of like has identified that that there's all these you know disparate angles to this this bike theft problem, and 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 literally this this conversation you guys are having is exactly the same set of details with every other city I have ever spoken to. One of the things we really started trying to track closely when we started talking to a lot of law enforcement are um, a lot of cops don't know how much bikes can actually cost. If they're not, yes. you know, bike, yeah, if they're not biking people, they don't, you know, you, you tell them these, these police officers, like, hey, this is a $12,000 bike, and their jaw just drops because they can't possibly fathom you know, a bike that's worth that much. So one of the things we've started tracking is, you know, we, we do uh, really intense mapping as well. When, when people register their bikes as stolen with Bike Index, we take that data and we have a, a site that builds a map. So you can actually see by the week, by the month, by the year, um, plotted like, you know, Google Maps where these where these steps are occurring. Um, we also started tracking bicycle value. So when we go talk to a uh, law enforcement agency, like, say there's a, a city such as yours, for example, that there's already a bunch of people on the ground, like all the awesome people that are on this phone call that are that are doing a bunch of really hard work to try to find bikes and register bikes and save bikes. And you go to talk to law enforcement. Law enforcement says, why should we care about this? And you can say, well, look, we have data. Uh, that we know is incomplete, and you know, fifty thousand dollars worth of bikes walk out of these zip codes in the last eight, eight or nine days, and then they start. You can see the light bulb go on, and you know, they didn't go out all at once. They're, you know, a thousand here, eight hundred there. You know, some big ones. It's all over the bell curve. But but once you can show them this package, and they can look at that and say, yeah, that's a pretty expensive problem. We should probably do something about that. Um, the other thing that we have, have taken upon uh, pressing to them is most people who are, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of the people that are stealing bikes for a living, if you chase the bike, you always get a bigger crime. It, it's not just about the $1,000 bike. It's the fact that the guy who stole the $1,000 bike broke into the house and took a bunch of other stuff, including guns. Or the guy, the guy who stole the thousand-dollar bike. When they eventually find him and, and raid his house, you know, not only is, is there bi- a bike there, but it's literally everything under the sun that has been taken in other robberies, in addition to guns and drugs and whatnot. So we've had officers go to um, uh, warehouses, for example, or houses, or apartments, or RVs, chasing a bike open the front door and just say, oh, man, you know, forget the bike. It's the, it's the, it's the quarter pound of meth sitting on the table or it's the four <laughs> handguns or it's the, I mean, you know, you name it. Or it's the, it's the three other people in here with felony warrants. Like, so we, we always try to tell them, look, you know, you may think it's kind of stupid to go try to chase this bike down, but we've registered it. We've tracked it. We found the person who's inevitably selling it online. We can show you their name. We can show you their phone number. Go get them. And we guarantee you, you open the door, it's going to be a lot more than just a $1,000 bike. And those two things are, are, are parts of the conversation that we have when we're trying to get more, you know, law enforcement interest in, in cities. Um, so they don't see it as just like, oh, hey, you know, it's this hobby that you guys have. It's, it's not like a car. It's not like, a, you know, um, those two factors are often uh, two of the big points we try to hit with law enforcement when we're trying to get them to, to help out the community. And you just and touched on another really important point there. In California, they changed the law for grand theft a while back. 
for felony theft, uh, they increased the value to $1,000. So if your bike is worth $250 and gets stolen, that's just a misdemeanor. Police will not bother to investigate that because even if they make the arrest, they charge a guy, he's going to be back out on the street in 24 hours, and he'll be stealing more bikes. So it's just not worth their time to investigate crimes like that. If your bike is stolen, when you report the value to the police, don't just report the value of the bike itself, what you paid for the bike. Report everything that you added to the bike. Like, say your bike costs $750 when you bought it. Uh, you bought a couple of tires that cost 150 bucks. You bought a bike computer worth $100. You got a $25 air pump on it. Okay, well, that adds up to over $1,000, and suddenly it's gone from a misdemeanor to a felony. And that's when they start taking it seriously, because that's when they can press charges and make right. it stick. And one other thing that a lot of people don't realize is um, bikes that are taken off the street, for example, um, that's a totally different crime than if somebody breaks into your house and, and performs a burglary. So we, we talk to people who... Um, the same problem, different angle. They're like, hey, you know, my bike got stolen. I'm not going to bother to report it. And you talk to them, you're like, no, dude, you got robbed. That was a burglary. You absolutely need to report that because that is a totally separate level of crime than if somebody just, like, rips your bike. You know, a lot of people just don't understand this distinction. They're, if you call and say, hey, my bike got, you know, uh, stolen off the street, like, you know, whatever, scram, we don't have time. But if you call and say, no, I, you know, I live in a home, I live in a structure, there was a burglary, they took my bike, and that is often, you know, treated differently, um, and it sort of varies by state, but the general rule is, you know, if it's a, if it's a house, if it's a business, if it's a, a building, a domicile, that's a higher level of crime than just somebody, you know, throwing a lock off on the street. Just to make a point of clarification, when your bicycle or property gets stolen from a business or a home and there's no physical contact, that's a burglary. When there's a physical contact where somebody's going to take that item away from your hands by either fear or by a weapon or intimidation, that's a robbery. And there is a difference there. But I understand what you're saying about being broken into a, from a, a home, a condo, a, a business. One of the other things that uh, nobody talks about, and I've come across it several times, is insurance companies. When somebody gets their bike stolen and they do have coverage, a lot of times they could do it through their homeowner's coverage or what have you, or say if it was a person who got hit on a bicycle and the insurance company calls to find out what's that bike worth or what's the repair, and all of a sudden when I give them the numbers, they really think that I'm crazy that I, the insurance companies, a lot of them think that the bikes are only, you know, $150, $200. When I tell them it's, it's $1,500, they're they're flipping. They're going, what? What are you talking about? And then I start talking to them, try to give them education. I said, you know, you guys are in here to insure stuff. Have you processed any bike, bicycles before? And... And I start asking the questions about they, if they know if it's carbon wheels and aluminum, all this other stuff. And then I start sending them links to different 
you know, the, the, the bikes that we're talking about, and they're just completely shocked, um, unaware of what the value of a bike, the bicycle is. And then I said, now you, now you take, you take away if this person uses their bike to go to work. There's a value there. There's a lot of education that has to happen still. Mm, absolutely. That's awesome. That was a lot of great information, guys. Thank you, Brian Atz and Ted Rogers and Carlos Morales for calling in. Uh, what should we do to set up with Bike Index? Well, you can go to my website uh, at bikingnla.com, just like it sounds. Uh, at the top of the page, you'll find links to register your bike for free. It's a free lifetime registration to report a stolen bike or you can click on a link to get a list of bicycles that have been stolen in the L.A. area and search for a bike if uh, you think it might be stolen. Okay, and Brian? Go to bikeindex.org. Um, you can do all those things that Ted just listed there. You can do it on a national level as well. You can literally search any bike anywhere that you find at any time. And if you are a bike shop or a cycling organization or a law enforcement entity or you're just a huge bike nerd and you come into contact with a lot of bikes, I would love to hear from you because uh, we have a bunch of free tools and information and things that you can use to protect and register bikes in your community. And we're free. We're totally free. We're nonprofit. We're awesome. We're nerds. And we love bikes. Thanks a lot and come on again sometime. Excellent. Thank That's you very good. much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 